Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, where we bring awareness to people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community with the hope of inspiring and impacting our audience to the point that they'll want to make a big impact themselves in the community in some way. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. So believe it or not, we have people telling us that they have no idea how to use their time, their talents, or their treasures to make an impact, either in their homes, their communities, or other areas of influence they may have. Some people just may not know what's out there or how to get started, and that's where we come in. That's why MPC was created, to offer a platform to nonprofits who are doing all kinds of great things so they can inform our listeners of all the resources that are available in the community. Many times I've heard people say that they never knew the particular nonprofit existed or the, the extent of the work that they do. And that, again, is why we do what we do. We've got to be sure to get the good news out there of how people can live a life of impact and purpose. But there are other organizations who have this goal as well. So just think if we all work together on getting the word out there, what the collective impact could be. My next guest is Brandy Enger from the Volunteer Service Club of Pewaukee, whose mission is to raise funds as well as volunteer time and talents to support organizations that help women, children, and families in Waukesha County move beyond challenges to live life more fully. Welcome to the show today, Brandy. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. <laughs> why don't you start us out by saying, uh, telling us why you wanted to get involved with this club in the first place? Yeah, so for me, if I think back on my why, it, it starts when I was really small. I grew up surrounded by strong women who overcame tremendous challenges. My Grandmother lost her husband to cancer when she was in her 20s, and she had two children she had to raise on her own. Uh, my mother had me at 19 and was divorced with two children by the time she was 25. So imagine I'm surrounded by these strong women who didn't get to where they got without a tremendous amount of help. So I was inspired by their drive, their determination and grit, and it inspired me to pursue a career and, and be the first person in my family to get a college degree, get into business leadership. So that was kind of my singular focus for a really long time. Have a great career, inspire other women. Have a great career, inspire other women. It's a good goal. Right, yeah, sure. Yeah. And that, then I was blessed with two incredible sons, and I felt the push to do something a little bit more, really start to make a larger impact in my community. Now, the timing was tricky because I had this epiphany and now I had two small children maybe not the best time to decide to pursue that that dream but I've been incredibly blessed throughout my career to have work for companies who encourage you to be active in your communities really support you and provide you the opportunity to do that even during the work day so I could still go home to my boys and get involved in in a community group like the Volunteer Service Club of Pewaukee so currently I'm the director of personal lines at Visons and and they to really encourage us to get out and support us. In fact, 
our number one core value at Bison's is God and family first. So mm. you can imagine, right, working for a company who that's their North Star, they really encourage us to get involved. So now my time excuse is, is kind of out the window. It's time to <laughs> really help shine a light on, on women and, and get resources in the hands of people like my mom and my grandma. And so I just through a corporate connection got connected to the Volunteer Service Club of Pewaukee. Uh, I've been involved now for nearly 10 years. I'm, I'm currently the president of the club, and it's the perfect fit for me. It's 60 women in the community who get together and support other women and children in Waukesha County by supporting charities that contribute directly to their needs. So we funnel the money to the charities, and the charities get the money in the hands of the women and children who need them. Uh, we're a group of similar people. We're all spinning a ton of plates in the air, right? Um, many of us are working mothers and executives at our own companies. So it's really inspiring to be surrounded by them as we do our work throughout the course of the year um, and really just understand how we're all working together to make a positive impact on our families, our professions, but in our communities as well. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that I found it and that I'm part of it. Well, you think about all the nonprofits that are out there, not only in our community, but statewide, nationwide, globally. There are so many people doing wonderful work. And as I said at the start of the show, think about if we come together, the impact that we can make when we all come together, right? So true. So, so you're actually a nonprofit that supports the great work other nonprofits do. Correct. Um, so explain how you do that. Yes. So we um, we aren't a charity that supports just one cause. We contact charities in our local areas and ask what their needs are. So we were founded over 60 years ago as a charity. And so we've evolved over the course of that time. Imagine uh, bake sales and rummage sales when it was just 10 women in the 1960s and now over the course of 60 years having a significantly larger reach and we we've really kind of found a cadence right we have a logo and a website and a lot of that's all kind of come together since then but what we do when we're contacting charities um, a lot of them Honestly, Joe, we know through your show, Blessings in a Backpack, Parents Place, Lake Country Caring, all charities that we've supported in the past. All doing great, great work, Just right? incredible yeah. work, absolutely. And so we reach out to them and ask what their needs are. Um, our goal is to choose around five charities to support each year with the goal of helping fund just a specific and measurable ask. So, for example, you had Sleep in Heavenly Peace on your show. Uh, we supported them last year, a fabulous charity. Yes, and yep. with our donation, we were able to provide 18 beds, so including brand new mattresses and bedding to bedless children in our community, which I'll be honest, was a thing I didn't even think about until we met with them. Um, so, it, again, it was a specific ask. We knew exactly what our impact could be because we're probably donating about $5,000 to each charity annually. So we, it's you want to see that impact when you have the opportunity to make it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how then do you raise the funds? So you have the funds that you're donating to for these wonderful nonprofits that are doing great work. How do you raise the funds to support that? Sure. So it's really one major annual fundraiser each year. We stay true to our roots doing some smaller scale fundraising like flower sales. But our annual fundraising luncheon has traditionally been a fashion show. So it's a festival of fashion. Nice. Uh, we, have a, we have a terrific committee that does an excellent job. I sit and watch and sometimes MC. You're not in it? <laughs> I MC 
sometimes, but that's about as involved in the fashion show as I get. But our members are the models. Nice. So we have wonderful local boutiques that we showcase their fashion and their wear. Um, We do boutique shopping and wine pulls, and it provides excellent networking opportunities. We traditionally have over 300 women who attend the luncheon, and we raise money through ticket sales, through auction items, um, through through silent auctions and basket sales, through the selling of the boutiques after the luncheon. Um, Then we've evolved over the last couple of years to also include a wine and bourbon tasting. Mm -hmm. So we've decided to invite some guys and let's let our husbands (laughs) participate in the fundraiser as well. So now we have the wine and bourbon tasting at the Pewaukee Yacht Club, and that's something we'll probably alternate every other year. So similar, right? We we do baskets and we do ticket sales, and that's how we how we raise the money that um, that we donate then to the charities. Okay. Well, I read an interesting stat recently that many more nonprofits are including um, the men in the mix because they are donating sometimes more than the women. Which I not that it's a. a competition or anything but you always hear about women being so um, benevolent and and just really being in touch with the needs in the community and I find it interesting that the men are now stepping up which now that you have a bourbon tasting maybe there's going to be more more guys yeah I'm not gonna lie that might be what's driving the behavior (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly you never know but they're there so that's what's important absolutely right? right yeah so you have a number of organizations that are looking to receive funds um and I bet that they're all good options to pick from right but how do you choose I mean what does the selection process look like I would say inquiring minds want to know so yeah we're going to dive into those questions after commercial break so we'll be right back thanks for tuning in this is eig milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host jill economo on news talk 1130 wisn Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Brandy Enger from the Volunteer Center of Pewaukee. Uh, so, Brandy, we said before the break that there's probably so many good options. Probably they're all good options, right? All great organizations doing great things. But how do you choose which one to support? You yeah. Know, what What does the selection process look like? Yes, and you alluded exactly to how I felt when I was on the charity selection committee. Where you're, it's, you're just like, I want to give it all to all of them. It can be really challenging to choose uh, who to who to select for that upcoming year. So our our members do it via committee. We review the applications we receive each year to determine if the charity matches our mission. If their if their ask matches our mission, if our impact will be felt by local community members, especially women and children, and to what degree. Um, I think for us, again, our north star really is we want our impact to be felt. We want it to be lasting and impact as many people as possible. It needs to be meaningful and measurable and support our mission of supporting women and children. Okay, we also have that uh, focus on our areas of giving, women and children, education, veterans. So I think when you put some policy around it or some something tangible, because we too, we ha- if you can well imagine, mm-hmm. almost every guest asks for sponsorship support. And again, we would love to say, here you go. We would love to support everybody because everybody's doing great work, but you can't you can't do that. And so we have pillars around, you know, what are our, what are our areas of focus? Correct. You have to, otherwise it could get really out of hand. Yeah. So your areas of focus are women and children. Mm-hmm. And then 
can people reapply? So let's say they apply and they're not one chosen. Is there a amount of time that they have to wait before they reapply? Can they reapply? If they received donation, can they still reapply? Yes. And in fact, when we make the award and we notify them that their charity has been selection, we encourage them to apply. In fact, we would, as difficult as that decision-making process can be, we want the impact to be broad. And so uh, we want to make sure we get a lot of charities in there. They can be the same ones that we've awarded uh, money to year after year. There's no limit, there's no waiting period, there's no grace period. Tell your story, make a specific ask, we'll get it in the hands of the committee members from our organization who can make the decision about whether or not to support the charity. And again, it's nice because you have a lot of voices in the decision making. Correct. You know, it's not the same people, or maybe it's the same people, but a vast background. Yeah, in fact, our bylaws require us to rotate off of committees to ensure that there is a new focus and a new set of eyes that are evaluating the asks every year. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Well, I understand you have a scholarship program as well. So share with us what that's about. Yes. And I have a child going through the college process right now. So it's all of a sudden become very important (laughs) for me. Like, where are all these scholarships coming from? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you don't know until you actually go through it, right? 100%. Yes. So we have three $1,500 college scholarships for high school girls uh, who exhibit the spirit of volunteerism. So here we all are as grown women, you know, volunteering our time. So we're looking for that out of our scholarship applications as well. Um, but also we'd like them to have an interest in pursuing a career in healthcare, education, nonprofit, or social work. So let's make sure they're making an impact in their community as they grow throughout their career as well. Um, so we typically uh, tackle Arrowhead High School, Kettle Moraine, and Pewaukee are the three main high schools that we send the scholarship information over to. But I will tell you, we could use more applicants if you can even believe that. We know there are incredible young women out in our communities who are doing just amazing things. I, Again, I've been in this organization for almost 10 years, so I've sat on the scholarship evaluation committee, and I remember bringing some of those scholarship applications home to my children and being like, look at what these girls are doing. (laughs) It's incredible work. And so it's, again, hard to choose who's the most deserving, but um, great to have the opportunity to be able to give these young women who are doing so much a stage because we do invite them to our luncheon as well and celebrate them and also that money to help them get through college. Yeah, and to recognize the good work that they're doing. You know, to I interviewed an organization um, a couple of weeks ago, and they brought in with them two high school students that started their own nonprofit, and they've been making such an impact. And it's like, look at what young minds can do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if they have the leadership that that or the examples, you know, to to help them along that journey. But how wonderful to know that these young people are making such an impact at such a young age and to know that anybody can do it. Absolutely. Right? You know, it's wonderful. Um, I think it's important to share that that all of us experience challenges along our journey, whether that's starting a nonprofit, being involved with a nonprofit, maybe in our professional careers. And it's, it's good and helpful, I think, to share what those are because it helps other people. Uh, helps under pe- other people to understand that it's not all peaches and cream, that you're on this great organization, everything just, you're involved with this great organization, everything goes along as planned. I'm sure there are challenges along the way. Um, what would you say is your biggest need or your biggest challenge right now? 
Yeah, I think probably it is just wel- welcoming more people into the club. Uh, people who have been involved in other nonprofits that can see things from the perspective that I can't see, having this been the majority of how I've spent my nonprofit work time is with the same club. So while new people who join always bring fresh ideas and perspectives with them, and that's what we want. What have we not thought about? How could we make our events more successful? How could we get you know, our name out there in the community. This is a wonderful opportunity for us to showcase our charity for people who have never heard of it before. But many hands make for light work. Yes. And we all feel like it's, you know, we don't have the time. I will say the the unique thing about this club with many of us being professional working women is we really don't meet that often because we're planning one major event. So we do a luncheon meeting once a month. We get together, everyone gets their committee assignments, and then it's these mini groups that are spending time trying to, again, you know, come up with creative ideas, get all of the invitations sent, the RSVPs in for our annual fundraiser, whatever that ends up being that year. Um, and so I, I just want to make sure everybody knows we are constantly welcoming new members. Also, sure, we'd love to know about other nonprofits out there that we could help support. And additionally, like you had mentioned, Jill, we're always looking for uh, corporate sponsorships as well. It's a great way to get in front of whether it's our Festival of Fashion Luncheon, over 300 women who are there. You know, I filled a table of 10 a couple years ago, all with work colleagues. So we're there networking and just spending time together. It's great recognition for corporate sponsors. Um, or if it's our wine and bourbon event, you know, probably about 150 people where you get that corporate recognition. It's a wonderful way to help our cause, help support the community or the charities in our community as well. Wonderful. Well, you had mentioned before uh, that you need students too. So you, you love to open up your membership base. Um, you're looking for nonprofits that uh, can apply for these grants, but you're also looking for students, you said, for the scholarship program. Yes, absolutely. More applicants would be wonderful. Again, we want to highlight and support these young women in our communities. I think we didn't have a ton of people apply. Kind of made the job easier for the scholarship committee. It's <laughs> not really what we're looking to accomplish right, right, here. Right. Really want to make sure people know that that money is available to them, and, and we'd love to award it if we could. Okay. So... If I'm a nonprofit looking to be added to your selection list, or perhaps I'm a young woman, well, I'm not anymore, but let's say there, there's a young woman out there who would like to apply for a college scholarship, how would I go about doing that? Yes, yeah, so you can get in touch with us. We do have a website. It's volunteerserviceclubofpewaukee.com. We have a very active Facebook presence where you can see us out in the community. You could certainly reach out to me directly. I'm Brandy with a Y. Uh, speaking of wine and bourbon, You're right. <laughs> uh, Brandy Enger at Gmail, or I have a, a you know LinkedIn presence as well. So reach out to me or anyone at the Volunteer Service Club, and we'd be happy to get you connected. Great. I have a new tagline for you: Bourbon with Brandy. <gasps> oh, I love that. Yes. Hashtag Bourbon with Brandy. How does that sound? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you, Brandy, for sharing your passion with us today and 
uh, all the great ways that the Volunteer Center of Pewaukee is making a difference in our community. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jill, so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, organizations working together is a great way to create and sustain more results and more impact, right? I think we as a community need to look for some creative ways to nurture an environment of collaboration between nonprofits. Maybe it's with events with common themes or interests like sports or music or the arts. Stay tuned because we're going to learn about another great nonprofit who came to know about the Volunteer Club of Pewaukee, all because of that wine and bourbon that Brandy talked about. So stay tuned to get the details after our commercial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. And my next guest today is Renee Ramirez, CEO of Community Smiles Dental, formerly the Waukesha County Community Dental Clinic. Community Smiles Dental is a nonprofit dental clinic that opened in Waukesha in 08, with a second clinic opening in Menominee Falls in 2018. Both locations provide access to affordable dental care for low-income families. Welcome to the show today, Renee. Good afternoon. Uh, nice to see you. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. So why don't you start by telling us how you became involved with Community Smiles Dental? In 2007, um, I was approached by a number of women who were part of the Waukesha School District and were on a dental coalition um, addressing what to do with children who were on Medicaid and had nowhere to go because there were very few dentists in the area. Um, and I had run a nonprofit preschool, um, uh, and they said, you know, we need you to think about applying for this job because uh, they need an executive director. And I said, I know nothing about dental. I went, I saw my hygienist twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> I get my teeth cleaned. Is that about it? <laughs> right. Uh, but they said, no, we need somebody that knows how to, I was, had a good network. I had done a lot of work in the philanthropic world as a volunteer, um, raising money. So, um, uh, I was led to this problem. I'm a problem solver. And I thought it's not as a mom of three children, I couldn't imagine not finding a, a dentist for my children. So I applied for the job and August, um, 14th of 2007, I, started the job and I was handed a um, business plan. Uh, Pro Healthcare was um, the beneficiary of uh, some funds from the foundation and they helped us get started. Um, and I was given a yellow pad of paper, some cl uh, paper clips and a- <laughs> And have at it. Exactly. <laughs> and so we started by raising $1.6 million. Wow, um, impressive. And that was with the help of the Waukesha Memorial Hospital Foundation. And we opened in May of 2008. Nice, and you just kept going on that trajectory, that upward trajectory to open up another clinic in 2018. Exactly, and that was with the help of Freighter Health. Um, they were also seeing the need for a dental clinic or for children in their service area. Um, every number of years, they, they do a community health improvement plan survey, and dental needing dental was, was, was always bubbling to the top. So with their financial help, we were able to build that second clinic and open five years ago. Ah, nice. Very nice. Well, tell us about the patients. Well, our patients, um, our, our, our main focus is children, as you mentioned, um, but we also offer dental care to pregnant women who um, are on the state insurance. Um, we found that early on, if babies did not have access um, 
if mothers didn't have access to dental care while they were pregnant and they had cavities, they were sharing that same bacteria with the babies and they were, oh. when their teeth were erupting, they were getting cavities. So we started working with the WIC program, with um, our, our local OBGYN offices, identifying those uh, women who were at high risk of possibly having uh, cavities and being on Medicaid. So we serve uh, pr uh, pregnant women and we also serve um, uh, individuals with special needs. And we'll talk about the special needs program later in the segment. Okay. Uh, well, let's backtrack a little bit um, to how Community Smiles got started. I understand that you were instrumental in a number of ways, uh, but share with our audience how you helped Community Smiles get started back in the day. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I was given a, a great business plan, um, which detailed how many chairs uh, we were going to have in the dental clinic, uh, what the staffing would look like. Um, but again, raising the money, uh, that was a lot of work. Uh, we started, um, it took us almost over a year to, to raise the $1.6 million. Um, but then um, as a nonprofit, um, I had to start it from scratch. So we were not a, not a 501c3 organization, so I had to start all of those um, activities from scratch. Um, okay. And that was, there was internet, but it was not as robust. So learning how to do it took a lot of time. Um, so I was, I was working with the state of Wisconsin, the Department of Health Services, our local um, dental society also helped. I mean, I didn't know anything about how to run a dental clinic. Um, so I brought a, a number of dentists together that advised me on what a dental practice should look like, um, the types of equipment to, to purchase and install. Um, it really took the community uh, to help also uh, get this organization up and running. Well, and you mentioned that, I guess I never thought about that, uh, about the process of getting a nonprofit started. I imagine it can be an overwhelming task, but I think if you look at the end game and you say, yeah, this is, can be overwhelming, there's a lot of moving parts, but when you look at the impact that you've had since you became a 501c3, maybe that's where the focus needs to be? Right. Uh $30 million later, uh, that's the number of dollars that um, the dental care that we've provided to um, more, to, more than 30,000 patients since we opened. Mm. We're a unique organization. We're a dental practice and a nonprofit organization. Well, talk about the those pieces again. You know, how, how is Community Smiles Dental making a difference in our community? Share, us, share with us some of those statistics. Uh, every year we provide over 12,000 appointments to individuals who come from low-income families. Again, majority of our, our patients are children, um, and these are children who would have otherwise had nowhere to go uh, before we opened uh, the Waukesha County Community Dental Clinic, now Community Smiles Dental. Annually, we serve uh, approximately 4,400 patients between the two clinics, uh, and uh, we have, um, we call ourselves a dental home. This is a place where children come twice a year for their uh, routine care. Um, and we're very proud of the fact that we have a very high percentage of children who do return on an annual basis and come back without cavities. Ah, very good. So we are making sure that they or their overall health is intact. They can go to school, they can eat, they can sleep, they can learn, they can be happy and proud of their smiles. Mm, wonderful. Well, and, and just to recap on that, you said you've provided more than $30 million in dental services to more than 30,000 patients from Waukesha, Wa Washington, Ozaki, and Milwaukee counties, which is really, really something. And I understand you're in the exploratory phase of a building 
third building? A third, a third, a third clinic? clinic, yes. The, the demand for our services continues to be very high. Some of our peers uh, during the pandemic ha haven't been able to stay open. So we are seeing um, both in the Waukesha Clinic and the Menominee Falls Clinic a high demand for our services. And we have a pretty decent uh, w waiting list. So we are now exploring a third clinic in Milwaukee County. Mm, wonderful. Well, keep going. You're going in the right direction. I'm sure with all this great impact, you have had your share of challenges along the way. Uh, that would just be too easy if you didn't have any and unrealistic, right? Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, we're going to learn how Renee turned her challenges into fun and laughter with a little food and drink mixed in. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. I'm talking in this last segment today with Renee Ramirez, CEO of Community Smiles Dental, and Jenny Reyes, the clinic manager. So I said before the break, it's not uncommon, certainly, to have challenges along your journey of impact, right? So tell us what your biggest challenge is, Renee, and, and how you've handled it. Our biggest challenge is raising the dollars to support our operational budget. Uh, we are a Medicaid clinic, which is a state insurance, and the reimbursement rate is one of the lowest in the nation. It's about 30% on the dollar. So we raise $1.5 million a year to pay our staff, um, to buy our supplies, and to provide the dental care. So the challenge is finding those dollars. Okay. So plain and simple, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, I think if you ask a question, 80% of nonprofits would say that that's their biggest challenge. But what's interesting is how people are dealing with it. So how do you, if that's your biggest challenge is raising the funds, then what do you do as an answer to that? Well, we have an annual fundraiser uh, in the spring. Uh, we laugh for, so others can smile. So it's Laugh for a Smile. Um, and we feature comedians from local uh, organizations as well as now this next year we probably will be going national. So Wonderful. And uh, you told me that you had a well-known comedian. What, we, had, we had Charlie Barron's. Uh, three years ago okay. um, at our, our comeback after the pandemic, uh, Laugh for a Smile. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and then we do a fall event where it's bourbon and wine. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of things, laughter, Laugh, food all, and all, wine, yep. and bourbon. Indeed. So that's yeah, all good. Okay. What would you say uh, is most important to you, Jenny, uh, and your team in providing dental care at Community Smiles Dental? Um, what's most important to us is building a relationship with our patients, but also with our families. Um, we get to see them a couple times a year, and if they have multiple children, we get to see them even more than that. Um, so having trust relationships um, is what is most important to us, as well as providing quality care. Okay. And, you know, when you just said that, it made me think of, of us at Ellen Becker. You know, those those are founding principles for us, building relationships, providing education. Mm -hmm. People like to work with people they like, 
people like Absolutely. to work with people they trust. You know, if you have a relationship with someone, it makes that process all the all the more easier, right? Tell us why you personally uh, joined Community Smiles. Um, I joined Community Smiles. I was actually able to um, be an extern at Community Smiles while I was still in uh, dental hygiene school. Um, so I was able to see a couple of patients there while I was in school. And then once I graduated, I kind of... Um, by fate ended up there um, and didn't realize until I was there that that's what I wanted to do. Working with children was my passion. Um, and I didn't realize it, you know, like I said, until until I was there doing it. Well, when you get in the middle of everything and again, you see the impact, mm-hmm. it's really easy, I would imagine, to get involved in something that has a great reach and has a has a great impact. Uh, do you have a patient success story to share that sticks out to you? Uh, I have a lot. I feel like we see we have success stories every day. Um, but I've, I've gotten the opportunity to meet lots of children very young, um, whether it's their first dental visit or they're in pain. Um, and I get to see them grow up. I get to see them graduate high school um, and become really comfortable with us and get to know us well. Some even join us as a team member or decide to pursue dental afterwards. Um, so I think every day we truly have a lot of success stories. Okay. One in particular that you want to share? Um, I did. I did have a little patient that I saw um, early on. She was about two years old. Um, I saw her for her first dental visit, and she was so little that she couldn't even sit in the dental chair. Her mom actually held her, oh. um, but she was in pain, and mom knew she wasn't eating. Something was bothering her, um, and she did have a tooth that had, well, she had a couple of teeth, but she had one in particular that had a really big cavity, um, and by kind of creating that relationship with her and having her get to know us, we were able to fix that tooth um, as well as the other teeth that needed some attention, um, and now we still see her every six months, um, and she smiles, and uh, yeah, that's one of the one that sticks out to me. She's kind of grown with me. She was one of my first patients that I saw as oh, a hygienist. Yeah, it's very, it was very sweet. I think about teachers that say that about my mm-hmm. kids when they see them now. Oh my goodness, I started with them when yep. they were so small. Um, and then you think about the, the uh, I guess the flip side of that, that had this mother not had this resource mm-hmm. to come in and take advantage of it, what would have happened? Where would they have gone? She right? wouldn't have anywhere to go, yeah. Yeah, so... That's it's impactful, inspirational, all those good things. Um, so why would, I'll ask this question of both of you, why is Community Smiles Dental so important for our community? I mean, you've been talking about different things throughout the course of the interview, but if you could pinpoint one or two things, um, what would that be? I would say Community Smiles is providing access that these children wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and not only access, but quality care, compassion, um, like stability, and and just like uh, yeah, consistency, consistency too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that little girl, that example of the little girl, would see you every time, mm-hmm. and she's comfortable with you, and she has no problem going to the dentist. Yeah. Another access to care that we've been providing quite a bit of lately um, is care to adults who have special needs. Um, I've been receiving a lot of families who have been calling me with nowhere to go. Um, And so we've been kind of increasing our availability for those patients. Um, Because they're on Medicaid, it makes that's that serves as a barrier. Um, But then having special needs is an additional barrier that is kind of impacting them and they're not able to find a a clinic to go to. So we've taken on quite a bit of special needs adults. um, And that has been uh, it's a it's a big undertaking, um, but it's something that our, our clinicians have been doing very well with. 
So you're saying special needs adults. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you don't care for special needs children or do you also? We do. If so, they're if they're under 18, they're they're considered part of our our scope that we see daily. Oh, okay. Yes, it's the it's because we don't typically see adult patients that we've been taking on an additional population an additional group of patients that we're not normally seeing. Got it. Okay. Renee, how would you answer that question? Uh, the impact I believe our programs offer is um, providing better health. Uh, we sometimes take for granted that uh, if we have access to a dentist, um, everybody has access, and right. that's not, not that's not the case. Yeah. Um, but our oral health is important for our overall health. If your if your mouth isn't healthy, your body's not healthy. So I think that's what we offer is that positive impact on the, the individuals that we serve is that we're making them healthy, healthier. And I think it's worth noting, because um, people may not be aware, that, as you said, oral health is so important, but you can get an infection in your mouth that travels throughout your body and could have dire consequences. And not everybody realizes that, you know, the importance of um, consistency, mm-hmm. you know, in your oral health. And again, some people take that for granted. You know, they have insurance and they go to the doctor or the dentist religiously two times two times a year. But for those that don't have that uh, privilege of insurance, uh, they need a they need another option. Mm-hmm. And that's where you guys step in. It's wonderful. Uh, the contact information, I think, is important to put out there for people who are listening that want to know what's the best way to communicate with you? Uh, the best way to communicate communicate with me directly would be to um, give me a call, 262-953-4699. Uh, we have a website, communitysmiles.org, that provides all the other information that they would need if they wanted to make an appointment or want to get more information about us. Okay. Do you guys have a social media platforms? Are you out there on social media? We, we have, have a Facebook we page. Have, yeah, yep, Community Smiles. Okay, mm-hmm. so people can just Google Community Smiles mm-hmm. Dental and Facebook. get mm-hmm. get to you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. Well, I want to thank my guests today, Renee Ramirez and Jenny Reyes from Community Smiles Dental and Brandy Enger from the Volunteer Service Club of Pewaukee. Uh, thank you all for sharing all the ways that you're making a difference in our community. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And for Ellen Becker. You're welcome. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out to the Volunteer Service Club of Pewaukee or Community Smiles Dental directly. If you know of a great organization doing great work in our community, you can email me the name and contact information. Uh, You can send that to jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-691. 3200 and I'll reach out to see about getting them on the show. Tune in next Sunday morning at 10 to Milwaukee's philanthropic community to learn more about the ways that people and organizations are contributing to making our community great in a number of different ways. You can tune into News Talk 1130 on your radio or you can go to newstalk1130.com on your computer or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. And you can now listen on demand, which means Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. My call to action today is give some thought to how you can make a difference in some way for someone in our community. 
Our guests have shared today many ways that you can make a difference and have a significant impact, whether that's by donating, volunteering, or simply advocating for their respective organizations. I'm sure anything that you do would be appreciated. Take the time to determine how you want to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.